realize what can happen, that the, the things you do today, the decisions you're making today, how you handle yourself now, you may not understand the impact that's going to be having in the world around you 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now, even, even after you're gone, even after we're gone. So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Impact Without Limits podcast. And today, uh, this is the last episode of the month, last week of the month, we do a special format where we do something unique, question and answer interview. And this week, we have some special guests with us. Dale, tell them who we've got. Hey, today we have, in this corner, Jim Carmi, the oldest of the Carmi brothers. And we also are joined by Ken Carmi who is the second oldest of the Carmi brothers. Uh, seriously, great having you guys here. You're obviously an important part of our lives and an important part of our business. And we just wanted to, one, we're probably going to ask you some questions, but I, I think today we wanted to focus on uh, Fred Carmi, our father, and some of the, the stories we have with him, the lessons we learned from him, and how it's impacted our lives and can impact uh, certainly the lives of others. Yeah, for those of you that uh, maybe have been listening to the podcast, the, the outro, the, the last uh, segment of every podcast, we have a little clip from our dad's uh, radio show, kind of a, a fun little uh, tip of the hat to um, a great man that had a huge impact in our lives. And yeah, I, I, one of the things we get a question about all the time is, um, you know, how we can as four brothers work together. And I... I Kind of strikes strikes me a little bit because I can't imagine anybody else I would want to work with. I mean, uh, you three are, are best friends and and uh, mentors of mine, and we just enjoy time together. But I think a lot of that goes back to um, our mom and dad, and and just you know things that they instilled in us. So, yeah, and look, that's a fair point. You said mom in there because mom was an amazing lady and an an incredible part of our story. But I think. Today, we're focusing on dad. Not, peacemaker. She was definitely a peacemaker. Uh, not to leave mom out, but from the business standpoint, dad um, did amazing things and taught us amazing things. So I think just to start, Jim, if you want to give a, this is a hard thing for you to do, a quick recap. <laughs> sorry. Uh, a quick recap of just dad's story, right? I don't think we've really shared it on this podcast, but dad was born in Syria and well, take it from there. Yeah, Dad was born in Syria to uh, a family that worked out in the farm portion of the country, and he was more interested in education than I think the family wanted him to be. Uh, definitely had a tough beginning with uh, his mother passing away uh, when he was young, uh, I believe it was seven or eight or somewhere pre-10, and then uh, his father passed away when he was in his mid-teens, so some difficulties there, but um, his focus was in learning, and um, that wasn't the focus of the family. They felt he should be 
uh, working with the family. So he went ahead and made his way uh, into the city of Latakia and found the mission that uh, the Reformed Presbyterian Church had there, uh, got to know the people there, and ended up um, getting his education there against the will of his family. Really, really driven. I mean, he knew what he wanted, and as a result, uh, he pushed through and, and did what other people did not feel he should do and stuck to what his principles were. So Ken, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think that was pretty bullseye, but uh, I, I always thought it was kind of neat that my dad's dad, who we never— Never got to meet. My dad referred to him as kind of a show-off, kind of a sportsman. He referred to him as an athlete because he could throw throw rocks and kill birds, and and people of the village would, you know, really like to see his dad compete in these uh, rudimentary sporting events. But and and he, I, I guess the show-off portion kind of, I don't know if he was a show-off or not, but uh, had, had just had a different focus than than dad. And so, Dad, he, he kind of went his own direction. As this whole thing loops around today, I hope I get down, uh, get the opportunity, and I'll maybe just say it here. But it was, it kind of put us at odds that my dad was really bullheaded, and I was bullheaded. You know, in the early years, I came to find out that it was really being so much like him, and it was nice you know, before he passed that we were able to really rectify some of the differences that we had. But yeah, he was a very strong and driven man, and uh, expected a lot of all of us. I know that. Yeah, interesting, Ken, as you were talking about um, his father, who I honestly, do you guys know his name? No, I, I do not. I, I don't think I know what my dad's dad's name was. I know his mom's name was Jane. But you're talking about him being a sportsman and killing birds with a stone. I remember um, the time you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. In front of all the kids. <laughs> yeah, we were sitting out front of our, our house at Lake Tomahawk, and there were some pigeons or doves up on the phone wire and uh, all of our kids are around us. They were four five, six, seven in that age range. And um, I said, I, I, I can't remember a challenge, but I think I said, Hey, you know, see if you can hit one of those birds. Or you said, Hey, watch me. I can hit one of these birds, something like that. And you chucked that rock. <laughs> Son of a gun. <laughs> you plunked the bird and it dropped. It dropped right in the middle of all the kids. How'd the kids react? Uh, they were freaking out. <laughs> little screaming, little tear. I think there's nightmares that follow that incident, but uh, yeah. it was a nice story. It I mean, was quite a shot, <laughs> so I guess you came by that honestly. I, I just going to continue the story of Dad. Yeah. Uh, but so Dad, um, you, know, you mentioned, comes to the American Mission School there in, in Syria. He learns English, that, um, learns to uh, – he, he has a draw to America. Right. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, his parents passed, he kind of got exiled from the family as he, uh, you know, accepted Christ, became a Christian. And that was, you know, different than the religion he was raised in. And so he didn't have any ties to Syria and decided to come to America. So I think 29 years old. Is that right? He was 28. 28 years old. He came to America in 1955. Yep. He, so as a 28 year old, he comes to America and enlists at Geneva College to, uh, get a college degree, and uh, yeah, that moment changed our our lives for certain. So, yeah, a lot of things we're seeing already is uh, drive, desire, determination. You know, traits of dad. Um, when he came to America, Jim, who paid for his college education? Pretty sure he did it all on his own. Yeah, that, that, uh, that's the answer. I mean, he worked. 
full time at a steel mill yep. and he worked for the that college happened. to pay for his education. So just take that. Tell me some of the things uh, we were talking about attributes of dad and things people can pick from that. Tell me some of the attributes you got um, from knowing what dad did in college and how he got through it. Well, first of all, being the oldest, I butted heads with dad right out of the gate. I was a guy who was growing up in the 70s, and it was a time where everybody got to do their own thing. And I had an extremely strict father who didn't seem to feel that that was the way to go. In fact, he was a teacher by trade for the first 20-some years of his life after college. He really thought education was central, and I didn't. Uh, I wanted to have fun with my friends, and I wanted to do things the American way. So the stubbornness on my side, similar to Ken, uh, we butted heads a lot. Uh, in fact, I was the principal headbutter to, for a while there. Uh, Ken did his very best to try and catch up and exceed me at some point. But um, I, I think watching Dad, it, you, you pick up things without really realizing it. Um, you know, with, with Dale and Brian and the pursuit of this business, um, the, the drive that they had was definitely uh, a result of seeing what dad did without intentionally trying to, you still, you still develop those kind of traits. And for me, I, I, I loved his integrity. I loved the fact that he was straight up and he, he told you what he thought. He didn't sugarcoat anything. Um, and he was, he was very, uh, forthright with his faith. I think that he just was was a man of honor, and uh, I'll tell you, we we had so many instances uh, while we were working with him, which he had a pressure washing business, and uh, we would go to work with him because of the fact we were his kids, and it was assumed that that's what we were going to do uh, when our friends were out having fun. There we went off off to work with dad, um, but he'd have projects, and we'd be done, and we'd be putting things away. And we'd be sitting in the truck and he'd still be going around the project looking for things to do and things to make right. And it was that wanting to be be the best. That quality was so significant, uh, which, you know, the innovation, integrity, and quality um, being the three pillars of what Foreverlon stands for, that was dad. I mean, he, he was there. And uh, so we've, we've picked it up from him without really – wanting to. I mean, I, I was opposed to everything dad stood for for the longest time in my rebellious years. Um, but now I respect so much the things that he did and would love the opportunity to pick his brain now. Yeah. I, everything you said there is, is spot on. And we had a behind the scenes look because we, we could see some of the financial struggles the mom and dad went through, Dale. You, I'm sure you remember some of the arguments we would hear. You know, Our dad wasn't perfect, but neither was our mom and neither neither were we. But Boy, they, you know, when, when you look back at it, the things that they did for us were just beyond the pale. I mean, everything was for us. And we saw some of the financial struggles with the business. And I can remember us thinking we were so smart saying, you know, he's never going to make money if he keeps doing all this extra stuff exactly. and he's doing this and doing that. And how in the world are we going to be able to, you know, we know these financial and we were putting the blame on him instead of really understanding what was going on. And it literally took years of seeing it and being a part of it for that to get in us. And I'll tell you, it's become a part of me. And I think it's become a part of each and every one of us that uh, 
really is part of our rallying cry. It's not just doing the job at hand. It's going above and beyond and trying to exceed expectations. Yeah. So I jump in here. We just had an episode. I don't know when this is playing, but we recorded a little bit ago where we talked about Brian looking at things through a microscope or through binoculars. And that was a perfect example of dad seeing things through the binoculars, seeing the vision, seeing the long-term value. So on an individual job, we're sitting there thinking, um, why would you do this? The customer's not paying for it. Why would you do that? That's extra. That's not necessary. You're losing money. Every every extra hour we spend here, dad, you're losing money. What we didn't see, we were looking through a microscope. We didn't see the binoculars that dad saw of building a name, building a reputation, creating value, doing more than is expected. And right. Creating that reputation that drives your business. And, and I'll tell you what, uh, you know, I was young, I was middle school and high school was when, when we worked with him a little bit in college. So I didn't have a lot of dealings on the business side, but just watching what happened, he was respected and people knew, knew the type of work he did and the value they got from doing work with him. Reputation was huge and it wasn't prideful reputation. It was wanting to be known that his word was his his oath. Whatever he said he was going to do, he was going to do that and more. And um, it, it was a struggle for us as kids. We were the the smartest teenagers on the face of the earth. We, we knew thought, yeah. we knew everything that we needed to know about what Dad was doing wrong in his business. And man, were we wrong! Man, were we wrong! He was uh, he was first class in everything that he did. So I want to dive into some of the stories, but we're, we're sitting here. This is the Impact Without Limits podcast, and I just I can't help thinking about the impact that Dad's daily decisions forty years ago, right, yeah, or yeah, more. I mean, 40 Th- those to 50 th- years things ago. like um, you know, and we'll hear some of the little uh, situations or stories, but things that he did, just the way he lived his life, operating with integrity, going above and beyond, living. Um, you know, with, with purpose, uh, it, those things had an impact that go way beyond, I mean, even his decision to come to America, we, none of us would be sitting here forever. One wouldn't exist. You know, many people, hundreds of people, um, have been positively impacted by things he did that were just living his life in the way he thought best. And the impact that ripple effect of his decisions, um, it's just kind of astounding when you stop and think about, um, you know, the impact without limits that he had. Right. And so for all of us, I know the four of us in this room, but everybody listening, um, realize what can happen, that the, the things you do today, the decisions you're making today, how you handle yourself now, you may not understand the impact that's going to be having in the world around you 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now, even even after you're gone, even after we're gone. So we, we, we've got to, I think as people and as wanting to be people of impact, we somehow have to be able to wrap our minds around that, that says, I'm not making decisions today for myself. I'm making decisions today that are going to have impact so many other people. And it, Brian, it's going back to that, getting rid of a, a selfish view and getting into a selfless view of your life and and things you do. And obviously we have to take care of ourselves and our business, our family, but there's so much more than that. 
And, and even just the, you know, sometimes, you know, we had a, a session this morning at the office, we were talking about the grind and, and doing the things on a daily basis, just showing up and just, just living out what you're supposed to do today. And, and so often, you know, we, we talk, I mean, again, it's the impact without limits podcast, but we sometimes stop and look to see the impact immediately that our daily decisions make. And it, it doesn't show up. It might not show up for weeks. It might not show up for years. It might not show up for decades, but the things you do today are making an impact if you do them right. So, um, you know, I was younger, I was the baby and, uh, I didn't get the, uh, I'll say pleasure now. I don't know that it was a pleasure for you guys at the time, but I didn't get the opportunity to to work on job sites with dad. Um, but I, I know you guys each did as you were going through high school. Um, it's where you learned a lot of your work ethic. Um, but I'd love to just hear some stories of you know times that you were working with dad, things you saw and, and lessons uh, learned, right? Yeah. If there's one thing that uh, Forever Lawn kind of mirrored off of dad, it was the the concept of sun up to sundown work. Uh, there's not an eight hour day. There's not a, a certain lunch period. There's there's you wake up, you get to the job site, and you work and you work and you work until the job's completed or until you can't see to do the job anymore. And uh, that was dad. Uh, almost every project we ever went to, whether it was a pressure washing job or working on one of his rental properties or whatever it would be. Uh, he was all in from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. And as a result, so were we. We all rode in the same car or truck to get there. So we were invested in the same amount of time that he was. And uh, I, I can't think of a, a day or a job that we decided to cut out at ha- or halfway through the day or something like that. Ken, do you? No, but I can remember being put in a position to find my own transportation to any kind of sporting practice or game Um and sometimes that meant walking home. Sometimes that meant uh, calling mom and have mom come pick pick me up. And and it was usually to a little uh, little disgust of of dad that we would put sports uh, ahead of. Jim had, had emphasized his uh, focus on education, but also on hard work and not just hard work, but hard high quality work. It was always the expectation. And uh, you know, I think back. <clears throat> And I kind of look at, at raising my own kids and sometimes ask the question, you know, we didn't really have a buddy-buddy relationship with dad. Now, there were days we, we would just kind of cut loose and he would, we would just have those fun days. And, and it was really something to remember whenever he did that. Um, but it was not a buddy-buddy relationship. It was high expectation driving relationship. And uh, I think everybody that's raising kids, you know, it's good to have a good relationship with your kids, but, um, make sure you're, you have the, the expectations that should be put in place that they're going to strive to be better and better because in hindsight now and living it, it was a little bit tough and we all reacted differently, Dale, Brian, Jim, and myself, but we all ended up in the same place. And I think there was a moral foundation and a moral core to each one of us that, uh, really, is the foundation for who we are and has kind of become the foundation for what you guys have perpetuated into Foreverlon. And it didn't come easy. It didn't come easy. It came with a lot of struggle and a lot of strife and a lot of disagreements. But, you know, just sitting here looking at you guys, 
I couldn't be prouder. And I don't think dad would be prouder, but I'll tell you what, if he walked in the room, he would still have higher expectations for each and every one of us. Amen. That's just the way it was. Yeah. So Ken, you talk about those high expectations. Um, what were some of the expectations that, that he had? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a story that would give an example and, and pull out of that? Oh boy. There's the stories. We would have several shows and maybe we'll come back. For more shows, but uh, obviously report cards, if they weren't A's. Uh, oh, man. And the A's he never saw. He saw everything that wasn't an A, and that's the that was the conversation. C's, that if you ever were so bold as to get a C, you're grounded for six weeks, and that meant no TV, no friends, no phone. I mean, it was pretty, pretty serious stuff. So the expectation was um, extremely high, but, uh, we all played sports and maybe it came from his father. I'm not sure, but we all have a, a desire to compete and, uh, we're all good, not great. And we had to work, work to be, you know, to raise our game. Uh, but I can probably count the, I played football for 12 years, 14 years. I, I and I bet there's the, the games he came to, you could count on one hand, and Dale, you remember the conversation, Jim, probably you too. He would always, uh, after a game, say, uh, are you quarterback? And I'd <laughs> had say, to be the quarterback. no, dad, I'm, I'm a fullback and I'm middle linebacker. You know, these are important positions. And he said, you know what? Well, you're quarterback, you tell me and I'll come to your game. Because he understood that to be the most important position on the field. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because I remember going through it. And dad not understanding sports, not engaging in sports. I think a lot of that was cultural and some of it was priorities because he's working so hard to provide for a family. But um, what was tough in the moment and what I didn't understand in the moment, I now get to look back with perspective. It's like, okay, I get it. You know, not that um, he shouldn't have been involved in our sports, but. I understand what he was driving at, what he was going through, and, and the lessons he was trying to, to build in us. Like, Ken, you remember Saturdays? We had to do our Bible verse memorization, and we had to read before we could go out and play. And we didn't like that. It was something we had to do because he made us do. And, Jim, I see you shaking your head. You probably went through the same thing. Talk about that a little bit because those were things as kids you don't understand, but now, Right, what we learned and the things we had were invaluable. Catechism. Yeah, I caught what? catechism. Yeah, I caught myself in this um, this prism where I'm looking out so the outside the window and seeing my friends running and playing and doing all the stuff I wanted to do, and then I was looking at this old school uh, individual that was my dad saying, "No, you know what? This is what's important. This is what you're going to do," and the expectations were extremely high. But the catechism. Um, Dale got it quick. Jim got it quick, man. I would sit there staring out the window, and I couldn't even think about what I was supposed to be memorizing. And Dale would get his verse done. Jim would was he? Well, you were done with most of that by the time I was doing it. Um, and I would just get angry. I'd just sit there, and my my thoughts would cloud up, and I couldn't remember the words. And I'd have to sit there until I until I finally memorized it. And uh, it was it was tough. And the reading, read an hour for every hour you play. That was the expectation. I don't know if it was really enforced one-to-one, but it was enforced as as best he could. It's like, hey, weren't you guys just outside playing? Uh, it's time to read. And 
That was tough because Dale and I were the ones that would set the alarm for 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning so we could go play play. play football up at our friend's house. And, uh, you know, again, Jim was the pioneer. He, he took, he took the brunt of dad's, um, uh, parenting full force, um, old school parenting, old school. Yeah. The, the thing that was through all of this, you know, he was so, he was so doggone persistent. It, it permeated everything. Uh, and it, that frustration and not being out playing with our, our friends, it wasn't just not playing with them. It was having to tell them that we couldn't come out because we had to read, or it was telling them that, that, uh, we were, you know, I can remember I took piano. I had piano lessons every day. I had to practice my piano a half hour, an hour, something like that. And I can remember my friends staring in the the living room window, <laughs> laughing at me and calling me names while I'm practicing piano. What kind of friends are they? I guess you'd say, but we were kids, but, um, you couldn't leave the piano and they had to hear sound, uh, or you weren't really practicing. So there I'd be with all my friends right outside the window. And I knew they were having a blast making fun of me. And there I was trying to go to town on the, on the piano where I, I wanted to be anywhere, but there. Um, it was a fun thing to pick up, but, uh, at the time it sure didn't seem that way. So is there a lesson there? As you look back on it, did you learn and, and was there value in, in what dad had you do? Absolutely. Uh, per- persistence. Um, if, if that's some, one of the things that, that you guys have picked up through, and if anyone listening to the podcast that is, has heard the stories that Dale and Brian share, persistence, 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 uh, one of them would, they'd never quit at the same time. One of them might, would want to quit and the other one wouldn't, whatever it may be. Dad was always, um, pushing us to be, um, persistent at what we did and to, to have that the grind was part of it. I mean, it he wanted you to work smart, not hard, but he felt that working hard absolutely had to be part of it too. And just being unwavering because he was yeah. unwavering. He was a man of principle. We didn't necessarily agree with him but we were not we didn't have the perspective we didn't have the wisdom now i look back and i have different perspective i have different uh level of wisdom and it amazes me how smart he was and again just looking around the room right here um what he was able to accomplish not just in his life but through his legacy through us and it goes it goes beyond us into our kids and all the people that we impact and Foreverlon has a big footprint as far as that goes. And uh and I can say wholeheartedly Fred Fred Carmer's at the core of that. But the persistence, the discipline, he was so disciplined. I don't think he, he ever got tired. Oh. It was amazing. And he's so strong. And he was strong of mind. Like when you looked yeah, at him, yes. he wasn't in a, a I mean, he five, wasn't a probably a buff five ten guy. and a half, one hundred and seventy pounds. Can I, I? I remember you. I think it was. I don't know if it was Bill Johnson, but I just remember hearing the story. I wasn't there, but I know there was a situation with a log or a tree or something. And and I, I've seen this play out maybe with Dale and rolls of grass and workers we have. But tell the story of. I mean, you you were a you were a pretty strong kid in high school. What is that like? Past tense. It's all gone. <laughs> Thank you, Bry. Uh, yeah, it's a great story, but it's, it really is, is one that I think about and I love sharing with my kids and I love sharing it here because yeah, it was senior year of, um, football in high school. I was in great shape as linebacker fullback and it was actually Dave Johnston 
was working on a project for Mrs. Hardcheck. Dale, I think you were up there sometimes. Yep, I remember it. And uh, we had done a whole bunch of work, and he was doing all kinds of extra, extra stuff for her. It was one of those jobs. I'm thinking, ah, he's burning money. He's wasting it. And, you know, he's not focused on, you know, making money. He's focused on the wrong things. Again, hindsight, I was dead wrong. He was right. But he'd taken out this gigantic tree, and there was a massive stump there. And he told Dave and I, he said, put that in the truck. And he went around the other side of the house. Well, Dave and I, and Dave was a, um, he was a, a lineman. He was a pretty strong guy. We both tried picking this thing up. We tried several times to pick it up and to put it into the truck to no avail. I don't even think we moved it. He came out and he said, why is that not in the truck? We said, oh, it's way too heavy. We're going to, we're going to have to cut it down. And he said, ah, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the tongue click as he would do. And he walked over, manhandled this thing. He picked it up and basically threw it into the truck. Dave and I just looked at each other like, oh, my gosh, did that just happen? And I'll tell you what, Dave Johnson, I bet to this day, still tells that story because it was totally amazing. I don't know how he did it. And he just looked at us, shook his head, and he said, you call, you call yourself football players <laughs> and walked off. That was the end of that. Yeah, and, and Brian, what you said, physically – you were much stronger than dad. You were bigger, you were stronger. Forty pounds. And, and, he and was, Dave yeah. Dave the same. And but there was this mental side of dad that if something had to be done, he was going to do it. And that was a stunning example of, you know, mind over the, the physical matter over the nature and doing that. I love that story. All right, guys, this has been uh, amazing and look, we have more information here than we can probably put into one episode. So we're going to wrap this up and split it. So uh, I hope everybody enjoyed it and come back to the next episode as we continue this story with Ken and Jim. This is the Threads Army reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.